how do you write that as a lambda? Well, it's like open bracket, close bracket, open paren, auto, ref, space, it, close paren, arrow, decal type auto, open brace, return, star it, semicolon, close brace. So it's like it's something like 30 characters to three is is what the difference is. Welcome to ADSB the podcast, episode 113, recorded on January 15th, 2023. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we interview Barry Revzin about the potential C++26 pipeline operator, C++ ranges, and more. But our guest today is Barry Revzin. I'll do the introduction. Barry is an international keynote speaker, probably... Actually, Bryce, I'm not sure if you know anyone that went faster from giving his first talk to international keynote speaker than Barry, because he gave one talk, and then he gave one talk at C++ Now, and then boom, that was it. Next talk, international keynote speaker. That's pretty impressive. It's amazing talk. It compares, I actually don't know the title of it. It compares D, uh, C++, and Rust iterator models. Um, fantastic talk. I'll put both the C++ now, and I think it was CPPP was the conference that you keynoted at? Yeah, that's right. So there's that. Uh, he probably has my favorite C++ blog, although it's not just about C++, but out of all the blogs out there, his is my favorite. Um, so definitely go check out that. And what else can we say? You're one of the most prolific paper writers um, in contributing to the C++ language and library evolution. I don't know if anybody's done the numbers on it, but for C plus plus twenty three, you probably wrote more papers than anybody else. I don't really count. Yeah, it's probably. Uh, I'm well. Yeah, we'll put it out. We'll throw it out there to the listeners. I'm sure there's someone keeping keeping stats. Let us know where Barry ranks. If he's not number one, he's probably in the top couple, because there's a ton of papers that you've written, not just for the C plus plus twenty three cycle, but going back. Yeah, and I'm not sure. What else should we say? Should we let you introduce the things that we haven't said? I'm not sure if you want to say where you work. Um, some people do, some people don't. Uh, sure. Uh, so I work at uh, Jump Trading in Chicago, um, which is a trading firm that does a little bit of everything. We trade everything, all asset classes, all time zones, all products. Um, very cool place to be. I've been there for uh, eight and a half years. Um, it's a pretty nice place. Uh, outside of the C++ world, um, I guess I'm uh, very big into swimming, um, which is something that a lot of people don't know about me. Um, and and it's something that if you see my tweets, they're kind of divided into two categories of like random C++ things and whatever's going on in the swimming world. Um, briefly, there was this uh, professional swim league called the ISL. I'm hoping it comes back, but we'll see. It might not. Um, and I was involved in that, which is which is a ton of fun um, for, for a fan. Yeah. Do you run... The swim swam. I know. I've seen swim swam. Is that something separate? That uh, I think if you go, if you YouTube your name, you'll get your two C plus plus talks, and then you'll get some swimming related things. Uh, yeah. So swim swam is like the premier swimming media organization. Um, if you if you want to know swimming news, that's definitely like the place you want to go. Um, it started I don't know maybe 2012, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, and I I contribute to it periodically. I write like random data articles. I run numbers for them on a bunch of stuff. Uh, 
definitely definitely didn't found it or own it or anything like that. I just I just contribute periodically. Okay, just a platform that you contribute to. Yeah. And also too, so were you uh did you I think you told me this. You swim you, sw- you used to swim. Mm-hmm. Um but now you don't swim as much and you run or so do you do both now or are you primarily a runner cuz I'm not sure if you've listened to the most recent episode, but Bryce is thinking about becoming a runner. And I know that you at least have been going on runs because I've seen you tweet stuff about it over the past year or so. Yeah, definitely, definitely run and swim. Um, I'm much better at swimming than running, uh, but it's obviously a lot easier to run because you just like put on a pair of shoes and just go. You don't need to like <laughs> plan pool time and get there. Um, actually, that was one of the really nice things about the, the about the Kona meeting is that it's it's just on the ocean, um, so I don't have to like plan to go swim. I just walk out into the ocean and go and i'm already there which is which Mm. is super nice so like during that meeting every day at lunch i would just go swim um along with like michael park and matush it was super nice i could i I could see why people like Hawaii, you know oh yeah i don't recall where i saw a photo it might have been on twitter but there was a photo of you michael park and was it matush as well like there's a a few of you also i think you were in the water uh and i was like damn that looks quite nice it was it was awesome because it's it's like swimming except you're in the ocean and there's you know fish um on one of the days i nearly ran into a sea turtle uh which is yeah i'm just like i'm i'm kind of you know i'm I'm doing my thing and like there's this like i i see this blob out of the corner of my eye and i was like whoa what, what was that and it's like a turtle so i'm just like start following around for a few minutes wow <laughs> That's awesome. I thought you, usually um, the sea turtles are pretty, uh, pretty timid. Like they don't get too close. No, they're, they're actually they're they're pretty like they don't they don't really give a f- about you. They really, they, yeah. Like if you're at some of the beaches in uh, in Kona, um, and like they think that there's some food like near an area where they are, they'll just come on up. Really, I thought. I guess yeah. my impression of that is that I've only been to Hawaii once, but when I did go, I went. What do you call it? Snorkeling and. They told us to like give the turtles a lot of space. Yeah. So so so, and it's it's actual actually state law that you're you're supposed to give them like a a good you know uh, I don't know twenty feet or so. You're supposed to sort of stay away from them. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's that like it's really easy for humans to to harm them, but I I think it's that like they don't want them to like get too used to um uh like being around humans, and I, th- I think that they also can like give you pretty nasty bite but i do know that it's like a it's like a state law well we got to cut this out then because clearly barry was breaking state laws you're lucky you didn't i, did not, I, did not I, don't, I don't think it like i don't think it really counts if you're just like swimming around and like the sea turtle just like listen up. officer like, like, he approached me <laughs> I, I just don't think i don't think that's i don't think i don't think barry's gonna get in trouble for that well, we apologize if uh, the C++ community loses a, a luminary figure, an international keynote speaker, because we... we, we... Barry, Barry, Barry can still write papers in jail. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, j- the jails in Hawaii, not, not to offend the great state of Hawaii, but, you know, the airports in Hawaii are, like, all outside, so I'm sure the jails in Hawaii probably have, like, a nice pool. All right, well... Stay tuned, folks. We'll we'll give you live updates as to uh, Barry's uh, incarceration status. <laughs> not not where I thought this podcast was going. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. No, nobody ever knows where this podcast. Chaos with sprinkles of information. That's our that's our tagline that one, someone on Reddit gave us. Um, well, speaking of chaos, I mean, we can we. I'm not sure if you had plans of what you want to talk about, Barry. Definitely at the top of my list is your pipeline operator papers uh, because it's probably. 
for C++26, the number one thing that I'm excited for, given that we have now a bunch of ranges, uh, adapters in C++23, specifically a bunch that don't work with the pipe operator, which we can talk about in a sec. But before we launch into that paper, and then also the uh, error propagation paper, because I want to talk about that one as well, is there anything you want to, because you know, you've written so many papers, you know, obviously active in C++, anything you want to start off or things you want to say? Oh, we should also mention, you were a guest on CppCast, which is back, but you were a guest back before it took a hiatus. We'll put that link in the show notes where I think you talk about I think pipes is in the title of that episode. So <laughs> yeah, I was talking about yeah, I remember talking about pipeline there too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we can talk about whatever. I have no particular agenda. Alrighty. So I mean, uh, Bryce, you can go Google this paper. Have you read the paper, Bryce? Probably you... the the pipeline. Operation. Well, so there's two papers, and we'll get Barry to give us a little background both. But there's 2011, which was the first paper, and I believe that was published in 2020. I'm gonna say, but that could be wrong about that. But there's more recently uh, a paper, what's the number? 2672. Um, looks like there's only R0 at the moment. And that came out in October of 2022. That paper is entitled Exploring the Design Space for a Pipeline Operator, which it starts off by sort of referencing the... Yeah, I've only read the first one. Yeah, it's, it starts off referencing 2011, but then talks about the fact that there's a number of different models. And anyways, I'll throw it over to you, Barry. You can give us an overview of the paper and uh, in however much detail you want, and then we can talk about, is it going to show up in C++26? Um, are people for it, against it, etc. Over to you. Yeah, so um, so that second one is, uh, I think the right way to describe that second paper is abusively long, uh, which, is how, which is how Zach Lane <laughs> described it, and I think that's, that's kind of appropriate. Um, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. So the idea of the operator is that so we have we have ranges we have range three and the way that ranges works is it has certain kinds of algorithms are things that you can pipe into right so instead of writing f of x you can write x pipe f um, and those algorithms are all the range adapters right so you can have some range pipe into views transform piped into views filter piped into views join um, and that gives you this nice linear flow um, of of the work that's being done, uh, which which makes it like much nicer to to read, um, since a lot of these things once you get to all the, a lot of the adapters take a second argument in addition to the range and trying to write that um, as just function calls tends to be very tedious because you got you have to like read it all inside out, um, which is which is you know I, I find it a bit hard to read, but in it like that syntax is really nice, but it has like two problems. Um, one is that it, it requires some library machinery to implement, um, and that library machinery doesn't lend itself very well to providing good diagnostics. Um, so if you write something like views transform r comma f, and f isn't like a valid um, like function for that range, you're much likely to get an error that says something like that than if you do r piped into transform of f. Um, and this is because, like, the in the first case, you're actually trying to call the thing. And in the second case, you're trying to call some pipe operator that ends up being removed from consideration. Um, so you'll tend to get errors for, like, other pipe operators that aren't relevant. Um, so that's not the best. Um, the other problem is that there's a bunch of other algorithms that you can't pipe into. Um, so, like, all the all the things that, like, are typically referred to as algorithms, like all the stuff in stood ranges, um, because mm -hmm. typically what you do is you build up your pipeline and then you consume it somehow, right? You, 
Um, the, you either just iterate over it with a for loop or you pass it into like, now we're going to have ranges two and C++ 23 to like turn it into a collection. Um, or you, you just use something like, I don't know, ranges min or ranges max or ranges fold or something like you, you consume it with some kind of algorithm. Um, but you can't pipe into those algorithms because we just decided that that wasn't, that wasn't a thing. So you, you kind of go back to this inside out style. So you have to write like ranges min and then your pipeline instead of just doing R pipe to transform pipe to min, um, which is something that you can write in, in other languages. Wasn't it quite intentional that we made um, things like ranges fold, like the algorithms not pipeable because they weren't lazy? Um, so yeah, there it's intentional that the adapters and in, so in range C3 also has actions, which, which aren't lazy. They are, they are eager as well. Those are pipeable, um, but, but not the algorithms. I don't, I don't really think of that distinction as especially meaningful. Um, piping, I think of as... Then why didn't we make the, uh, the algorithms? Well, part of it is just like, that's, that's just like more work that you have to do. Um, there's also this issue of not everything can be easily made pipeable. Um, because you don't always have this clear way of determining whether your call is a full function call or a partial function call. Um, so some of the easy examples with range adapters are things like zip and concat, where you can't differentiate between which kind of call you're making because, well, they can just take an arbitrary amount of ranges. Um, so zip, zip A is a, is a valid thing and you, you have no way of knowing at the call side if, which, which, uh, that you meant it to be like a partial invocation. This is also a problem with the things from like the sender's proposal, like things like when all, anything that's like variadic like that, it, it you can't really yep. make it payable. Yeah, is, is that so? That's something I noticed when I, I I'm not sure if you saw that tweet, but I tweeted a couple weeks ago that I realized GCC trunk, aka what will be 13 when they release it, has implemented all the range adapters from C plus plus 23. And while I was, if you actually look at the code example, it's zip transform zip adjacent, I think as well, mm -hmm. and then the pairwise specializations. None of those are at least in the GCC implementation, and I didn't go take a look at the standard pipeable. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're yeah, not. That's, how, that's how they're designed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the transforms have this other problem in that the first the first argument is the function. Right. So if they're pipeable, that's not really like the model of of piping because we pipe the first argument and you'd, you'd want to pipe the second. Um, so, so this is basically the genesis of this paper is that we have this one problem that getting the piping to work requires library machinery that's just like tedious to implement at best and isn't great for diagnostics at worst. And then there's all this other stuff that we want to make pipeable, but doing so is possible, but, but just tedious. Um, and with like, we could do it for the standard library algorithms, but that doesn't help user algorithms that they might want to write. So this is like, just like more tedious for everyone. Um, so it, it would be nice to have a way of getting the like syntactic benefits of this without all of the complexity and all the machinery. Um, so this is, this is where like the pipeline idea was born. Um, well, I would like, I should say born. I, we didn't like invent this concept. This, this concept exists in other languages before, before us. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is, I, I say us cause uh, Colby Pike, um, better known as Vector Bull, um, is, is the, first person that I saw pushing this idea. So he's, he's my co-author on that initial paper. Um, and so the first revision of the paper, the first thing that we tried to do was just define the simplest model, which is that X pipeline F of Y evaluates as F of X comma Y. Like we take the argument on the left-hand side and 
a call expression on the right-hand side, and that is evaluated as the left-hand argument as the first argument. It gets like inserted into um, the first slot of the call. So there's no like there's no intermediate expression like f of y is never evaluated. Doesn't even have to be valid. Um, it's just a single thing. Um, and so this is this is like a fairly simple thing to to explain. Um, it behaves a lot like member function call if you think about it, right? Like x dot f of y. What that does is it shifts x over to be the first. Uh, argument. Um, and especially now with deducing this, like it, it really does behave like that. Like it, like we're moving this, this, this parameter around and making one function call. Um, so that was, that was kind of the initial, uh, design that we had. And this was the 2011. Yeah. So that's, that was the R zero. Um, and so it turns out as, as with a lot of things that are seemingly simple, um, there's a lot of interesting things to, to think about in the space. One ends up being, well, what's the precedence of this thing? And it, and it, and it kind of turns into like a surprisingly weird thing to consider. Um, so one example might be, so, if, okay, so X pipeline to F of Y evaluates as F of X comma Y. What does like F pipeline to F open paren Y close paren open paren close paren mean? Um, which of the two function calls are we moving X into? And the same kind of holds for other kind of like post expressions. So you end up kind of wanting to have it to have very high precedence because it behaves a lot like dot. So you want it to behave like dot. And there are a lot of kind of interesting things there. Uh, but then we kind of started talking about, well, like there's a lot of other interesting things you might want to do with piping. Uh, so the zip transform example you brought up, you don't want to pipe into the first argument. You want to pipe into the second, um, maybe even the third, depending on what you want to do. Um, so wouldn't it give more flexibility if we open up to the user where we're moving this argument into? Um, so like if there's a placeholder um, that we could that we could pipe into. Well, well, there's, there's also the case where you might want to uh, uh, pipe it into multiple arguments, yeah. right? Like, yeah, and and that also becomes useful if you um, it, when you want to do like more complex things, so like you know fork join style models, which you can sort of emulate with some sort of like tuple like object where um, you know you you do something uh, like similar to similar to like a zipper or like a win all in senders. Um, but then like later in the chain, you want to decompose it into its constituent parts. Um, and maybe you want to call a function where you want to say like call this with, you know, the first and third argument of this tuple um, uh, as the, as the, uh, the two arguments of this function. But it, it uh, without, um, with the, with, without a model that has a placeholder, it's a little uh, uh, tricky to do that cleanly. Yeah. So placeholders are also interesting because they all, uh, arguably they make it more clear what's going on. Like if you see this expression on the right hand side and you see the placeholder, you kind of know that like, okay, well, this is, this is where the argument on the left is going. Um, but then once you get into, so one of the interesting issues with multiple placeholders is like, okay, well, if the left hand side is an L value, then having multiple placeholders, okay, well, that, that's obvious, right? You evaluate the left hand side once and you just like use it in both places. But if the left hand side is an R value, well, like, what do you actually do with it? Um, you definitely don't want to evaluate it twice because that just seems totally, totally wrong and very surprising. Um, but if yeah. you evaluate it once, do you like give it as an R value in both places? Do you like escalate it to be an L value? Um, that's, that's kind of hard. Like, I don't know what the right answer for that is. So like, I, I think in the, in the, in the last paper, I'm, um, I suggest escalating it to be an L value, like evaluate it once and then treat it as an L value multiple times. Um, uh, yeah. alternatively make it ill-formed if it's not, um, if it's, 
uh, not an L value, because you can always stick in a function in the middle to turn it into an L value and then pipe that L value twice if that's what you really want. Um, but at least then it's explicit. Um, so this is kind of what I mean by like, once you start diving into things, there's all these like weird issues that come up. So one is like, okay, like where can you pipe things into? Um, cause one of the things when you look at it syntactically, you, you have this expression and then you have pipeline and then, and then you have stuff. So like, it really looks like you're always evaluating the left-hand side, right? Um, so you don't necessarily want to allow piping into a location that it wouldn't necessarily be evaluated in. Um, so for instance, like X pipe to like Y or placeholder, well, that you're not always evaluating that, that expression then. So like if you unconditionally evaluate it then, but then use it in a context that it has short circuiting, like that's kind of weird. And then like, what if, what if you then use it in an unevaluated context on the right hand side? Like you have an expression, then you pipe it into like decal type of that expression. Also like, well, it looks like you're evaluating it, but you're, but you're not, if we think about ex the expression rewrite. So like, is that something you want to allow or no? So this is, this is why the paper ends up being abusively long, uh, cause you have to deal with all this stuff. Um, where it gets even more interesting is that like, once you have placeholders, you can think about like, well, what does the, we have this right hand expression that has placeholders in it, but like, what is, how does it behave? Like, if you look at that thing in, like if you look at like f open paren, let's say dollar is our placeholder, like f open paren dollar close paren, that's kind of like a lambda, right? You you can kind of think about it as like, well, yeah. I'm just co constructing a lambda with placeholders on the fly and then invoking it. Uh, it's not exactly that. And and in fact, in the in the old library only boost lambda model, the like uh, that's how you would write a, a lambda function is you would have these. Um, these like underscore one, underscore two, underscore three uh, uh, placeholders that were these you know magic objects, and you could do like underscore one plus three, and then that would give you back a lambda that would do take one argument, and then that would add three to it. And I I still know some people who use that library, even though we have you know uh, uh, C++ eleven lambdas, because it's such a when you're doing something that the um, that the library when you fit into one of the use cases, like, you know, adding up some things that the library is really good at, um, like it's much more concise to just write your Lambda that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually, there's a new Boost library called Boost Lambda 2 that Peter Dimov wrote a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's it's fantastic. So when I was implementing Zip um, as part of like, so Tim Song wrote the paper for Zip and then I implemented it kind of from spec to make sure that all the wording was right. Um, and I used Boost Lambda 2 for all the implementation because a lot of, a lot of the stuff, so you think about like, so zip, the iterator is like a tuple of iterators and every tuple operate, every like iterator operation is an operation on like through this tuple, right? So it's either like a tuple transform or, or like a tuple for each or something. Um, and all the functions that you want to do are like trivial. So like dereferencing zip iterator is like dereferencing all the underlying iterators of, of mm -hmm. the stuff into, to a tuple transform. So with boost lambda two, how do you, how do you write the function that is dereferencing the first argument? Well, it's star underscore one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you write that as a lambda? Well, it's like open bracket, close bracket, open paren, auto ref, <laughs> space it, close paren, arrow, decal type auto, open brace, return, star it, semicolon, close brace. So it's like, it's something like 30 characters to three is, is what the difference is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this kind of, so, you know, this kind of like placeholder 
stuff if if we could have it in lambda directly would be super useful. Um, so once you start dealing with placeholders and pipeline, well, that lends itself to like, well, what if you use that same technology to actually construct a lambda directly? Like, what if we had a new kind of lambdas that was just based on placeholders? Um, and so there's a whole section in the paper of like kind of exploring what that means and like what kind of syntax could we use and what how do we like differentiate it from the lambdas that we have today and and how do we um, how do those apply? So if we if we had that new sort of syntax, would you then instead of having placeholders directly in the piping operator, would it just be that you just say that the right hand side is a you know a function object and then just the the convention would be that people would use the the super abbreviated lambda um, uh, syntax to write them? Or would you still want the placeholders directly so in the piping? I think uh, you syntax? still want the placeholders directly because there's a few there's a few significant differences in why you wouldn't want it to just be a function call. Um, one is for lambdas, like we'd still need capture because we, we even even at the placeholder case, like we, we, we're still C++ and we don't want to do either like... In, you wouldn't want to pick like an implicit capture, so you'd have to you'd want to make it explicit um, for for one reason or another. But then it's not really a function call because like if we know we're piping, we know we're evaluating this directly, um, so we don't want to like introduce another scope, um, which is particularly important because mm -hmm. like one of the things once you get into placeholder land, um, you can put an arbitrary expression on the right hand side of pipe. Uh, you, we just give pipeline extremely low precedence, and then you could do things like. You know, maybe the motivated use case is doing like f of placeholder, but you can also do f plus placeholder, f times placeholder, right? You can use placeholder as like a, a substitute for parentheses. Um, but importantly, one of the things you can do is co-weight placeholder, co-yield placeholder. Um, and, and so like if you, if you want to do like the coroutine operations, then you, you can't make it uh, a function, right? Because you can't introduce that other, other function scope because then you break coroutine this. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Which is actually one of the places where this whole like, well, what if we think about it as like a language bind kind of model kind of breaks down? Because if you want to support co-await, um, which I think makes perfect sense to support, um, that like that doesn't really work by thinking about it as a function. So it's like, um, I don't know, it's 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 kind of like a weird thing. One of the things to ask you, and actually you might not know the answer to this question. I think you and I, well, at the end of the paper, you sort of articulate between the design choices what you're what you are in favor of. And pipeline plus placeholder is definitely something you want, which is definitely something I want as well. Not just for the fact that there are a number of range adapters that I mentioned before that don't work with the pipe operator and the fact that they don't work with uh, the algorithms in the you know, std colon colon ranges namespace. It also enables you to do the duplicate things, which is a whole other thing that I like because you can technically mimic some of the composition patterns that you get from combinatory logic, which is like a big thing that I really like. However, there are some people that are against the placeholder. And I I think one time I, I tweeted something and then Gasper replied, Gasper Ashman, who is a member of the C++ um, committee. And he said, please, no, don't put the placeholder uh, in. And I think I asked why, but I don't think he replied. Do you know what like the main sort of drawbacks other than, because I know the paper mentions that it's a bit more verbose in the case where you have to, you know, you have a bunch of unary things and yes, having to, ha yeah. having to spell out the unary thing is a little bit uglier, but in my opinion, that's like a weak argument that you're, you're getting uh, something less verbose 
compared to like giving up the flexibility that you get with the placeholder. Do you know what poten- potentially Gasper and other folks that are against the placeholder, what their motivation for that is? Or So I think the verbosity is a significant argument against uh, what I hear from people. Um, and it's even something that I, um, that I've seen multiple people suggest like, okay, well, placeholder, but allow the placeholder to be optional so that you can pipe to something like F paren paren and have that work as if you, like, as if you had the placeholder. Like, if there's no placeholder, then it has to be a function call, and then you stick it into the first argument kind of thing. There are even people that, that argue against the, the need for the paren. Like, yeah. like, um, when we were standardizing ranges two, there was a, um, a point of contention about whether you'd need to write like X pipe ranges to with empty parens or not. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that there's, there is a, a great desire for conciseness from a certain set and of And just folks. to clear up the ambiguity for the listener, this is ranges colon colon T-O, not like a second yeah. version of ranges that we're introducing. Yes, uh, yes. It's, it's hard to speak about that one function. Or, or maybe, maybe an simpler way to explain that is like there are some people that if you have like X pipe F empty parens, some would argue that it'd be more elegant to have just X pipe F. Yeah, it's definitely more elegant, but like, you know, we're the language that Barry just spelled out our Lambda (laughs) is like, uh, you know. Yeah, we're we're not an elegant language in in many ways. So, yeah, so the two, I think think they're actually slightly different arguments. So the argument for two, I think, is a little bit different in that if you look at all of our unary um, adapters, you don't have to put parens for any of them, right? So if you pipe to views reverse, or views join. Um, you can put the parens, but you don't. You don't have to. They work. They work without it. Um, and in fact, I've, I like. I'd never see anyone write parens. Um, and and so that works. And so in that sense, if you think about like two to uh, like std vector close bracket, um, that is unary, right? Like I'm just piping a range and I'm converting it directly to a vector. Um, so so why is that the one unary adapter that I have to put parens in. Um, like you can, it can take other arguments, um, but I think the overwhelmingly common use case will be that it won't take any. Um, and the only reason actually that it takes parens is that we're not even sure if the core language uh, blesses the implementation approach to getting rid of the parens. Like if that is actually valid um, per, per the language. Um, so it's it's not even like a, this is like a structural design reason why the, the, the parens are super important. We're just like not sure if it's a, actually legit. Um, but but the other for for pipeline specifically, um, so this is this is what I find interesting is that so there's a JavaScript proposal for the pipeline operator, and and I link to it in in all the papers. And there's been a lot of discussion on there over the years about various designs, and they they're they've going through like the same kinds of like well like there's like three or four different models for pipeline and which is the right one. And they've also um, seriously considered this, like um, use a placeholder, but like make it optional. And what does it mean for not having a placeholder? Um, And one of the issues that like the optionality does add complexity to the design, right? Because you have to determine what that means. Um, And in particular, like if you want X pipe F to automatically mean F of X, but you also want X pipe to F open paren like close paren to mean f of x um how do you like 
So does no placeholder mean you call the right-hand side, or does no placeholder mean you insert into the right-hand side? Um, do we have different rules for F versus F per M per N? This, this adds complexity. Um, there's also discussion there about, um, and some of it was like more specific to JavaScript, like we wouldn't have this problem. Um, but like, how do you know that the user intended to do this or not becomes more of an issue? Um, and the, the way that they're leading is, is mandatory placeholder. Um, because like, Placeholder stuff. Once you have placeholder at all, that's that's complexity, right? Because the the simplest version that was like the R zero version that we proposed, where the right hand side has to be call expression, and then you just like stick it into the left hand side. Like that's a that's a fairly simple thing to explain, and it's a fairly simple thing to implement. Um, and I can even I can say that because like I implemented this in Clang, and it did not take me very long. Um, and like it was probably not the right way to implement it in Clang. Like I didn't like create a new AST node. I just kind of hacked it into like the regular function call node. Um, but it, it's like a very simple thing to implement um, versus placeholder is much more complicated and you have to deal with like, well, what things can you placeholder into and not? And can you use it more than one time? And like, what about lambdas? Um, but but it lets you do so many more things and it adds a lot more explicitness um, to it. And so I'm not sure in the grand scheme of things that saving one to three characters per per expression like ends up being like a, a make or break kind of thing. Yeah, I kind, I kind of, I think I agree with you. And I, I think that there's a, uh, if we're going to do a lang language, if we're going to add new language support for a, uh, a pipeline operator, surely one of the rationales and motivations for that is to uh, enable pipelining um of things that we can't do today. Um, and I think a lot of those cases, a lot of those more interesting cases, like ones that Connor and I have talked about in this podcast before, um, would really benefit from having the placeholder. So if, if, we're, if we're going to go through the trouble of adding language support, I think we, um, we would use, lose a ton of utility if we don't have uh, uh, placeholders. And uh, a world with with optional placeholders would mean, um, uh, you know, you'd essentially have two syntaxes and, and there would be a lot of potential ambiguities and there'd be more things for people to have to learn. Uh, and I don't mean like language ambiguities. I mean, just like you look at the code and you're like, huh, what does this mean? Like mental ambiguities. Um, and I, I don't think that the, uh, the additional, you know, a couple characters you have to type is that bad. And I also think honestly that It'll be a lot, um, a lot more teachable. Um, I, you know, when you explain like the pipe piping to people today, you usually tell them it's like Unix, you know, like shells. It sort of works like this, um, and that's like a good analogy. But that that sort of assumes that the way that like a Unix shell pipeline works is like this intuitive thing, and it is an intuitive thing because we all know it. But I think it's not necessarily natural. If you just look at some of these examples in the paper with the placeholder syntax, I think if you showed somebody who had no, um, who, who had knowledge of C++ but had no knowledge of you know uh, pipe the pipe operator um, uh, and no knowledge of like ranges piping and no knowledge of Unix shells, I think that they would look at that and they'd probably understand what what it meant. Um, yeah. All right, ship it C++. 26. Um, 
What was like? So what do you what do you think the odds are, Barry? Um, I don't I don't know. You don't uh, you don't put bets on your own papers. I, I don't. <laughs> um, well, like also because like I don't even know what the right answer to any of these questions is. So uh, I mean I don't I know what some of the wrong answers are. Like there's a pipeline model where you just where the right hand side just invokes you treat the right hand side as a function and you invoke with the left hand side, which is like the F sharp model. Um, that's definitely the wrong model for C++ because that doesn't help us at all. It just like makes everything more verbose. Um, so I know some wrong answers, but like, I don't, I don't know what like the right, right approach is. Um, that, that is the inverted yeah. invocation yeah. in the paper. So that, that works very yeah. well for languages like F sharp that have like a lot of other languages support for like currying and partial function application. Um, we don't have any of those things and without those things that that model just doesn't make any sense yeah um, that's something that's something yeah. that i think about when you're talking about sort of the elegance or the lack thereof in c is that for languages that you know function invocation typically requires parentheses like it's you you end up in co- a completely different space than when you're you know comparing it to a language like haskell mm-hmm. or f sharp because those languages one are functional at their core and two the, the, it's just completely different like the way that you do uh, you know, quote unquote piping in Haskell, like it's completely designed around the fact that those languages, you know, have, like you said, partial application and, and currying and you can do like things super nicely, like flip. And it's just, you know, flip and f- insert that in front of a function and you've, you've swapped the order that you pass arguments in order to do that in C++, you know, you're calling a template metaprogramming function in Boostana that, you know, it does the same thing, but it's it's nowhere as easy as just putting a function in front of your other function. And, you know, yeah. uh, it's just a different, you know, th- there's a part of me that's like, oh, yes, I want this beautiful, elegant model. But, like, we're not Haskell. We're not F-sharp. <laughs> we can't get that. And, uh, yeah, you have to, at least for me, I put my elegance, like, heart on the shelf and say, we're in C++ land. Let's just get the flexible thing and uh, sort of live with it. Um, so I, I think there's another uh uh, potentially big advantage to uh, language support for a pipeline operator that we've maybe not talked about before, um, which is uh, like ranges piping is cool and all, but there's like a lot of library machinery that uh, you need to do to make it work. And um, uh, there's this senders proposal, which is a proposal for, you know, this asynchronous programming framework for C++, which also has uses the, you know, piping uh, syntax. Um, and also has a lot of language, a lot of library machinery to, uh, to support that. And I, I think that, um, uh, having this in the language would maybe not drastically reduce the, 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 the inherent complexity of these big library proposals, but I think it would, it would, it would decrease the complexity somewhat. And that I think is, you know, a, a worthy thing to do. Hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I guess, as far as like odds go, it really depends on because there there are people that think that placeholders are obviously the correct design and and a design without placeholders is totally unpalatable. Um, and then there are people that think that placeholders are are bad uh, because they add complexity and they add verbosity to what will be the overwhelmingly common use case where you want to pipe into a function call and you want to pipe into the first parameter. Um, and so I think, I think it largely depends on what the relative sizes of those two groups end up being. Um. And to, to, to some degree, you know, the, the existing uh, uh, piping that we have in ranges, it's not like we're just going to get rid of right. that. 
So the pe- the people who don't want uh, placeholders um, uh, or who want placeholders to be optional, you know, that syntax, at least for ranges, is going to be there forever. Yeah, we can't really get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we're... I think roughly 45 minutes into this, and and uh, that's about like the halfway mark. I have no idea how I'm going to cut this up. But before we move on to uh, the next paper, um, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll turn this into like a mini Rust episode because we're in our Rust phase of our podcast. We've temporarily turned into a Rust podcast, kind of. Stay tuned to hear Barry's thoughts on the Rust programming language in part two of this two-part interview. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.